Hello, good morning. Okay, while well, I settle down my things, maybe why don't you just give each other a greeting while well, look at one another and say, you know, God bless you or something like that while well, I settle my pages. Because yesterday one page flew away. I found it. <laughs> okay, good morning. Uh, it's always a blessing to share the word of God with you. And uh, you know, I look forward to having a great time here today. So, hello everybody. Uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Shano. Okay. Because yesterday someone asked what's my name also. Alright, anyway, the Chinese New Year season is upon us. How many of us have always felt the change in emotion and mood at shopping malls post-Christmas? Uh, who else notices how quickly the music changes from Silent Night to Tong 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 Chang, Tong 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 Tong. Once Christmas is over. Personally, I wish the Christmas vibes would last a little longer. After all, we have 12 days of Christmas, don't we? Many of you who know me will find that I am a person with many comments. So one of my favourite Chinese New Year hobbies when out shopping would be to read the Chinese Zodiac predictions for the coming year. Now, I would like to say that as a Christian, and before any of you start to stone me, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus, blood and righteousness. I always wonder how the things rhyme. Actually, they don't really rhyme. So anyway, I do not believe in whatever is written on the Zodiac things. However, I do enjoy commenting on such predictions for the year. And most of the time, I wonder how such sentences are supposed to be fulfilled in the coming year. I mean, there's something really cool, right, about hearing and knowing things about the future and seeing them actually occur before our very eyes. Maybe that's why booking Grab for transport is so addictive. Who doesn't like knowing exactly when the driver is arriving and making him wait while you tie your shoelaces? Maybe most of you here drive, so I don't think this joke works. Okay, that was a super lame example of a fulfilled prediction. But well, if you're the kind of person that feels awestruck when predictions come to pass, then, and by that I mean things like eternity, things like what happens after you die, then look no further than the Word of God. There are countless predictions that have been fulfilled and will continue to be fulfilled in the coming days. Amen? One such example is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 6 to 8, when Jesus himself predicted that there will be rumours of wars, nation rising against nation, famines and earthquakes, all of which we see today and every other day. Isn't that cool? Okay, not so cool because they are not very good news. But anyway, there are more. Okay, so for those who are like prediction junkies, you enjoy predictions, I encourage you to dive deeply into the Word of God and watch every prediction be fulfilled. Now that is for the future, right? Today's passage from the Gospel of Luke shows us yet another prediction. Or maybe to be more Christian-y about our jargons here in church, the word we like to use is this word called prophecy. Prophecy, right? What it means is a prediction of what will happen in the future. It's actually the same, similar meaning. The Word of God is filled with prophecies, plural form of prophecy. And we will examine one of them today. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, that He has not come to abolish, He did not come to put away the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Jesus is the fulfillment of, of what the Word of God talks about and points towards. You see, the Word of God is not simply a book of rules and old writings, contrary to what 
many people think it is. This gets pretty obvious because after Jesus rose from the dead, one of his main tasks, in fact, it was documented, was that to teach two of his followers how everything, everything in the scriptures point to him. This is documented in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 27, where Jesus explained to two of his disciples, beginning from Moses, also known as the law, and all the prophets, everything concerning himself. Everything concerning himself. So when we look at the Word of God, let us always ask the Lord that our eyes be opened to see Jesus for ourselves. Let us ask for a revelation of Christ so that we might be fed and nourished by His Word. Amen. So with that and my super strong introduction, are you ready to see Jesus through the Word of God today? And I'm very sure you are. May we all see the beauty of our Lord Jesus today and be fed. My first point today is filled, F. The passage begins with Jesus returning in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Here's an observation. Isn't Jesus the Son of God? Why does He need the power of the Spirit? From this, we can see an example of how Jesus was actually fully man and acted in the power of the Spirit. Jesus demonstrated to all of us the pattern for successful ministry. Jesus acted in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is key to the church and Christian living. Jesus operated by the anointing, leading, and guiding of the Spirit. He was always full of grace and truth. Jesus moved in peace. He ministered in full confidence. And to top it all off, Jesus gave His Spirit to all of us. As we can see in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 4, when the Holy Spirit filled the disciples. Right? And then now you might ask, so what about me? Those are the, just the disciples. Now may I share with you one very simple way of knowing that you have the Holy Spirit within you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, it says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So if you're able to earnestly say and declare that Jesus is your Lord, right, you will have the whole, you, you actually, it's evidence that you have the Holy Spirit in you. So let's try that now, a very simple exercise. All you need to do is on the count of three, you just say earnestly from your bottom of your heart, you say, Jesus is Lord, then you will know. Okay, so one, two, three, Jesus is Lord. If you say that with all your heart, then without a doubt, Without a doubt, that was the Holy Spirit within you that enabled you to say it. Amen. Right? So praise God for that assurance. And so just as Jesus was led in the power of the Spirit, you also are led by the power of the Spirit. What's so good about the Spirit then? Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Today, we must say daughters of God also. Imagine that. You are considered a child of God. Not a slave, not a servant. You are a child. And I'm sure we all know that it's fundamentally very different to be a child as compared to a helper, slave, or servant. Next question you might ask me then. How to be led by the Spirit? One very, very quick answer is found in the book of Romans again, chapter 8, verse 5 to 6. It is by setting your minds on the things of the Spirit because it is life and peace. It is life and peace. Then you might ask, what then are the things of the Spirit? 
Another very quick answer is found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which says, seek, the, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And of course, there are many other examples of what it means to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. So brothers and sisters, let us be filled by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit because it is life and peace. Amen. My next point will be for us to encounter. As we read further down our passage from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus reads from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and this is actually a reference from uh, Isaiah chapter 61. It begins with, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to blah, blah, blah. When the, with the Spirit comes things of the Spirit. Every phrase after that describes Jesus and what He came to do. So the first thing He came to do, next slide, was to preach the gospel, also known as the good news, to the poor. And this refers to Jesus bringing a very a piece of good news. Now, I just want to pause here at this point in time and say that reading such things literally would actually only confuse readers, okay? And that is why we need to ask for revelation when we read the Word of God. What does it mean by poor? Does it mean that the person has not enough financial capability? Maybe, maybe not. But I would suggest to you that it is referring to how all of us, all of us are left impoverished because of sin. It doesn't take a genius to realize that sin has indeed robbed us of so many wonderful, wonderful things. We see problematic relationships, we see selfishness, we see arrogance, pride, negativity, cancel culture, wars, rumors of wars, all of which has robbed us of our peace, of our security, and of our joy. Next, Jesus came, the Spirit sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted. This phrase needs no further explanation. How many of us here have had our hearts broken at least once in our lives? Be it through broken relationships, a loss of a loved one, disappointments, betrayal. And do you know that God bottles up every single one of our tears? Every tear you've cried is precious to our Lord and He remembers it and He holds it dearly to Him. And He has come to heal this brokenness by providing us with an assuring all-encompassing, everlasting love. Amen. The next thing that the Spirit sent Jesus to do was to proclaim liberty to the captives. This refers to how many, so many of us are held captive by sin. We are unable to break free from addictions, from our struggles. We are chained down by our inability to even meet our own expectations of good or even from past hurts that we cannot seem to let go of. Jesus came to give us freedom from our chains because He has paid the price for it. The Spirit sent Jesus to recover for the recovery of sight to the blind. This talks about seeing the truth, at least spiritually. Of course, there were physical recovery of sight in the blind as documented in the Gospels, but spiritually speaking, right, it's about seeing the truth, knowing what matters and what doesn't. Perhaps some of us are unable to see our own good points. We are blinded to the value that we have as someone that is fearfully and wonderfully made by God Himself. Some of us cannot see the identity and acceptance that Jesus came to give. He came to recover that blind, to recover us from that blindness. The Spirit sent Jesus to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oppressed by what, you might ask? Many things can oppress us. 
oppressed by sin. We are unable to escape the vicious cycle of our fleshly desires and from our guilt. Jesus came so that we might have no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. This is taken from Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Some of us are oppressed by our own thoughts of self-hate, our own self, low self-esteem. Jesus came to speak life and grant us a new identity in Him as His children. And lastly, the Spirit sent Jesus to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is actually a reference to this festival or this celebration of the year of Jubilee, okay? And uh, this is actually Jubilee, which uh, I think the Jews still celebrate it uh, now. The year of Jubilee, or in other words, the acceptable year of the Lord, I mean, to summarize the whole thing up, is actually the year where slaves are set free and all debts are cancelled. All debts are cancelled. So do you know that the original cancel culture probably came from Israel? Yeah. Spiritually speaking, all our sins are cancelled. Amen. They are not counted on us anymore. So for those who struggle with the idea of how can God love someone like me, let me share with you my favourite verse and I think I actually do this every time I speak before you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where Jesus became sin for you so that you might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that beautiful? This is the good news that is proclaimed by Jesus. Christians, we have a different kind of cancel culture. It is one where we know our sins are cancelled once and for all. Praise God for that good news. Amen. And finally, Jesus states that the scripture is fulfilled, is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God has promised. It wasn't just all talk only, okay? Jesus came and actually fulfilled it by dying on the cross so that whoever believes in Him, right, will have their sins paid for once and for all. And I pray that whatever is written here, whatever you read before, will be fulfilled in your life in one way or another. I don't know what needs you have or what perceptions you might have had about Christians, but Jesus himself states that he came to fulfill all the above that we have just read, which I can't memorize. So this entire reading was quoted actually from the book of the prophet Isaiah, right? Chapter 61, actually verses 1 and 2. But did you know, did you know that Jesus probably deliberately left out the second part of Isaiah chapter 61 verse 2, which talks about the day of vengeance of our God. I think it is interesting and noteworthy. It seems almost deliberate that Jesus left out that portion of Scripture because if He actually spoke about vengeance, then He cannot say that He came and uh, cannot, will not be able to state that the Scripture is fulfilled. Why? Why? Because Jesus' ministry on earth was not about declaring vengeance. Some people think that Christianity is all about judgment. It is not, at least for now. Him coming to earth the very first time was to declare peace and to accomplish all of which we have read earlier, right? Um, good news to the poor, like liberating people from their chains and oppression. He was to declare peace. Peace. Vengeance will occur when Jesus comes back the second time, where sin will be judged and will be rid of once and for all. So as we read 
and inwardly digest the Word of God. Wherever the passage is taken from, it could be from Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, wherever, ask the Spirit of God to bring forth a piece of revelation of who Jesus is to you, that you may see His goodness. And may we all have our encounter as we dive into the Word of God in our own personal lives, not just on Sunday, right? So that we might encounter the Savior of the world. My third point would then be, so what then is our response, right? With an encounter with Jesus. And that is to bring this good news to the ends of the earth. I know that, yes, yeah, this sounds like another outreach thing, right? Evangelism, go out there and get the people in. But would you not agree that it is true? Good things must share. And I would add, before it is too late. So, when speaking to people in Singapore, food is always the best example. How many of you like to eat this thing called lor mee? Is this black noodle with black sauce, so- uh, no, yellow noodle with black sauce. Do you know that there's this really good lor mee at uh, Mailing Street Market, if you're familiar with the area around here, it's just behind there, right? The sauce is just right. There's this noodle texture, it's not bad. And then topped with this generous portion of homemade ingredients, uh, like the, the, the ngor hyang thing. Okay, I don't know what is translation in English. It's a roll with meat and uh, the roasted pork and everything. It sounds really good, right? You want to try? Huh? Sorry, today the, so- the store is gone, huh? The auntie go retirement already. But, too bad for you, I'm glad I got to try it at least once. And yes, it was pretty good. For those who don't have, don't have not tried it yet, I'm so sorry, right? You're not able to try. Too late, too bad. So I know, I'm, sh- I, I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm actually driving at. Now is the time to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. My Tuliao, don't procrastinate. And this explains why so many of us serve in the church, right? Why we prepare sermons on a weekly basis. Why we get so excited about outreach events and whether people are coming to church. It's not because we are forced, but because good things we really must share. And I'm sure that many of us have experienced the goodness of our Lord Jesus in very tangible ways. I challenge you to actively share with people your encounter with Jesus because it is precious and it is worth proclaiming. And most importantly, the goodness of God goes beyond physical and material blessings. Although, praise God for all these material and good blessings. But as we have seen in our passage today, Jesus came to proclaim the good news. John 3.16 says that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Good things really must share. So let us disseminate the good news of Jesus. May we be filled with the Spirit, have our encounter with Jesus, and disseminate the good news of Jesus. In other words, let us be fed, and in return, may we be fulfilled. In today's reading, Jesus clearly states what He came to fulfill and accomplish. Jesus came for all peoples, the entire world. Jesus is not confined to a particular group of people with a particular background. He is all-encompassing and His message is for everyone. Jesus' heart is for everyone to hear, believe, and receive what He has for them and as a result live transformed lives, live abundant lives, live a life that is beyond what the world can offer. 
Jesus and through His apostles and Word gives us instructions for abundant living. Yes, it may sound like rules and guidelines, but it speaks of peace and life and us turning away from things that would harm us. I would like to close by sharing this thought. I only spent like 10 minutes. Believe in Jesus and receiving Him into our lives makes us fundamentally and totally different from the rest of the world. Why? Because we have His Spirit living in us. You see, friends, Christians are different. We have God in us. We have the mind of Christ. We are called to higher things, eternal things. We have an identity that cannot be shaken. More often than not, we find our identity in our livelihoods, isn't it? Our status, our possessions, the kind of house we stay in, the cars that we have, our educational institutions, our background, our resume, and the things we have or do in life. I'm not saying that those are not good. All that is great. And praise the Lord for worldly blessings. But dearly beloved in Christ, brothers and sisters, today, I would like to share with you something more. Your identity as a child of God, as an ambassador of the good news, and a person belonging to eternity, your identity is situation and circumstance proof. It cannot be shaken. Amen. Nothing in this world that can be thrown at you would ever take away this identity, this foundation that you have in Christ Jesus. Do you know that, that absolutely nothing can take this precious thing away from you? Nothing can threaten this gift which is obtained by grace through faith. Life can hit you with a million things. But as long as you cling to Christ by faith, no matter how small, no matter how you don't feel like it, but you still cling to it for dear life. This is the one and only anchor for you, one that will forever be sure and steadfast. My dear friends, when you have nothing, Jesus is your everything. When everything comes crashing down, Jesus will still be there standing for you as a pillar. When you have absolutely nothing, you're at your pits. When you have nothing, Jesus is your everything. That is the hope that we have as Christians, that elsewhere, I strongly and firmly believe, doesn't exist. Jesus is the one thing that will never be taken away from you because it is precious, it is solid, it is strong. Amen. Today, I would like to encourage all of us to find our fulfillment in Jesus. Many of us have needs. All are looking for answers. May we fix our eyes on Him, from whom we can receive help in our time of need. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place right now. And as we reflect on the Word of God, what He came to do, His heart for you and me. You see, Jesus went to the cross to take our sins upon His body. He bled and died so that whoever believes in Him who have their sins paid for once and for all. Your sins, God, will remember no more. You will not perish. You will have eternal life. I just want to let you all have a few seconds of reflection for those who have not received Christ in your life before or you have not earnestly said that Jesus is Lord. In a short while, I will invite you to say a prayer with me, which will invite Jesus into your life, that he will, you will invite Him into your life to, for Him to be your Lord. 
And I promise you, your life will never be the same again. You will belong to eternity. You have a solid foundation that cannot be shaken by anything this world can throw at you. Now, if that is you, and you want this Jesus to be your Lord, may I invite you to say this prayer. Repeat it earnestly after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong that has gone against you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. But I thank you that on the cross, you took my sins and you paid for it once and for all. I receive you into my life. I want to follow you. Jesus, be my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And for the rest of us, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing before I, I get away from this, move away from the pulpit. Father, I ask in this place for anyone that's listening, whether it be in church or on the live stream, Lord, we are going through, uh, whoever is going through struggles and needs, Father, I ask that you give us the spirit of wisdom to make good decisions, discernment. Father, I pray that for those who are um, feeling oppressed or chained down by certain things, Lord, Lord, you know our hearts. And Lord Jesus, only you, only you can break the chains. So Father, I pray that your spirit come and give a revelation of who you are, that we might cling on to you. And, and Lord, may we see your goodness in our lives every day. All this I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.